Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Guardians. Uh, since the last time we spoke, the Guardians has been much of the same. They've only won two games in the past week. So um, a, a lot of back and forth and a lot of disappointment out of this team so far. Um, they haven't won a series in the past two weeks, you know, the Angel series. And that was a difficult thing to do. Um, and then we have the disappointment from last weekend being swept by the Mets through three games, including the doubleheader on Sunday. So that was fantastic um but this week i i'm joined by matt milner from waiting for next year um i asked him to kind of play general manager and see what are some moves that he thinks will help this team right now um the seven games under 500 four and a half games back in the division it's a weak division so it's still definitely up for the grabs especially going into june do we trade shane bieber is that a move that he's make uh, if we do trade Bieber, is it this year? Is it after the season? Is it sometime next season before he's a free agent? Um, and there's been a lot of talk about firing Tito over the past couple of days with the disappointment of this team so far. Um, so I get his thoughts on that and whether or not that would be a viable option. And what does that look like for the winningest manager in team history? Uh, but without further ado, we're going to get into it. Here, welcoming Matt Milner from Waiting for Next Year to the show. Uh, before we get started, how are you doing? Oh, it's going good. Um, <laughs> it would be better if uh, the Guardians were playing better, but, you know, other than that, it's fine. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, so, you know, you write for uh, Waiting for Next Year, and I feel like that's kind of like the main mantra for Cleveland sports fans for the past, like, five decades, you know, minus 2016, <laughs> of course. But every year is always something new, and just the expectations from going into this year from last year did us no favors, and here we are with a, a losing record. Yeah, <laughs> 21 and 28, nobody envisioned that. Even if some people thought regression was going to happen to an extent, they did not think – it would be like seven out of nine losses in the past like week and a half like that. Nobody expected that. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking here at the schedule. They're eight and 13 so far. I may we got a, another, you know, a couple games to go. But uh, you talk about the record 21 and 28. They haven't been seven games under 500 since 2015, which, you know, it's a long time. There hasn't been much losing, if any, under, you know, Tito. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? Because the team is just not hitting you know when you think they're going to turn the corner they just still haven't yeah look it's it's tough like it's a tough watch it it feels like you're watching just like <laughs> it's the most sleep inducing baseball you'll ever see because like literally they're 30th in offense they're 30th and like 30th in slugging 29th in ops they're literally in the bottom of every statistical 
category offensively. It's been that bad. Yeah, you talk about the OPS is 637, which is worse than the majors going into today. Um, and of course, you know, from last year, there, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, we don't hit home runs. We we get on base, we steal bases, uh, kind of play small ball. And I feel like, you know, you talk about that boring brand of baseball. I feel like that doesn't help with this year because not only are they not hitting, there's not much to get excited about as well because they're not hitting the balls over the fence. They're not, you know, doing things that gets the fans into it. And then they lose in spectacular fashion in the end. Yeah, like with last year, at least they were at least stringing together hits. They were kind of providing an exciting brand of baseball that was unconventional. That worked for them. And now what's happening is that like that brand of baseball is starting to backfire on them because they're not stringing together hits. They're not able to get on base, which isn't which isn't able for them to steal bases, create chaos like they want to. And right now it's just a lot of things have just completely like falling off a cliff for him right now yeah you talk about falling off a cliff there's a couple guys we're going to get into that compared to last year just haven't produced like much of the lineup of course but you know guys like Ahmed Rosario uh Andres Jimenez has been kind of underwhelming uh Josh Bell was a free agent signing who we expected to provide some some pop in the middle of the lineup it just not done that his slugging uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's underwhelming regardless. It's not doing much for the middle of the lineup. Yeah, I think his slugging, like for Josh Bell, is cap- comparable to Stephen Kwan. Like Stephen Kwan, I mean, he won't, he'll hit you a double here and there, but yeah. you want that, you do not want that to be Josh Bell, who you signed for 16 million and then has a player option who can like opt into if the season isn't going well for him. So it's another problem stacking on top of itself that he's not hitting, not hitting for any power. And the only reason he looks sort of respectable uh, WRC plus wise at a 98 is because he draws a bunch of walks. He's like top five in walks, but you're not paying 16 million for a guy that's top five in walks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And you you say that weight weighted runs created is 98. That's still, you know, 2% worse than the average major league hitter. And you're not paying him to be average. You're hoping that you know, he provides some protection for Naylor and Ramirez. And he just hasn't done that yet, which is unfortunate. Yep. And like with the first guy you were talking about with Rosario, that has been also another thing. They probably were hoping that if he was hitting t- towards his like career norms, which is like, around a league average hitter around a guy that will like do do a good decent job as like the two hole hitter. It's just, it seems like he hasn't been able to get going the way they want to. Even if things don't get better, they could at least get some decent trade value out of him from a med because now it might be, it might come down to a decision where they might just cut bait or they bench him and just say, Hey, Brian Rocchio, you want to want to step in? Cause our guy right now is not doing it. Yeah. Do you think there's any trade value? Because when you're talking about one of the guys that's been underperforming last year, he was hitting well over 300 into May. And you would think that would happen this year. It's almost June now. And like we said, that the corner just hasn't been turned yet. So, I mean, do you think there's any trade value? Because right now I don't see it. With the Med Rosario, there's not much, but and I think there wasn't much going into the off season before the season started. So now whatever that was is basically cratered to basically very little value. So right now it's just it, it that's why it, like the fan base is so contentious about the younger players replacing it because they're like it can't get worse than this or it maybe can be a little bit better than this. That's why it 
Amit Rosario has always been a very like contentious player to begin with because of his style of play. But right now it just feels like something has to give some, some type of breaking point has to like be hit to where tough decisions have to be made. Yeah. Now, do you think that those young guys would really make a difference because you have so many of them and I say all the time, it's a good problem to have, but at this point you have so many that, you have to find so little playing time for them to get and you try to, you know, try to do this mix and match. And um, with the lack of playing time, they just aren't going to produce at a consistent level. We've seen that from multiple people. So do you think if they were to eventually make that switch and say, you know what, we're just going to either cut bait or send them down or whatever, or just, you know, and we're going to play all these guys, whether it be Brennan or Rokio or whoever Freeman, do you think inserting them into the starting lineup will really make a difference at this point? I mean, when you're literally the worst offense in the in the league at this point, can they not get any worse? I mean, you can only go – it might be a slight improvement, but, I mean, that improvement might mean beneficial for this year and then next year because Ahmed I mean, Rosario is only here for the, the rest of the year if things get better, but it, it, it might not get better for him because we might decide just say, you know what, for the future and for now, Brian Rocchio, Tyler Freeman, name your pick. It, it, it might – come down to that with the way things are going yeah um i mean i say it every week listeners may be tired of it but i've been on the record for saying i'm i'm very pro ahmed rosario um but at this point i mean speaking of the trade value i kind of not that i'm looking forward to him being off the team but it, it would just be beneficial for both parties if he produces well and then he'll have that trade value you know towards the trade deadline and then maybe we get something for him and then you have this this big spot and you know at the top of the order or wherever you want to play him to play these young guys because like we're saying there's just not much playing time and fans clearly want to see those guys in there um but i make the point whether or not it would really make a difference so um I'm not sure what your thoughts are, or, or Rosario, whether or not you want to not kick him off the team necessarily, but um, you know, you talk about trade value. I think that if he plays well, hopefully he'll have some trade value and then you move from there. Yeah. I've always been, um, I won't, I won't say supporter, but I've always been somewhat of a, a neutral party because I've always known he's a guy that's a placeholder. He's good for what he is, but then there's always going to be that moment in time where like we're seeing now where er- where people are have a wandering eye for the the future, Brian Rocchio, all those guys, and now it's just like, okay, do you ride it out with Ahmed Rosario for a little bit longer and then make that decision? I I could understand why because even though they are twenty one and twenty eight, they are four and a half out of first place, and still, if they find any semblance of a groove, can get back in the division race. But that's also where it's like. The patience has also has to be very thin inside too, to where it's like, okay, we ca- we got to figure out something at some point. If it doesn't happen now, we got to change. That's that's why this is such a hard decision because you want to balance his trade value, but you don't want to crater to where you're just cutting him, bait like cutting him and just letting him go. That's just why this the twenty one and twenty eight is so frustrating on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah, so I see you're wearing a Guardians cap, but I'm going to ask you to switch it out for a general manager's hat really quickly. Oh, yeah. So if, if anything that you think could improve this club right now, sitting four and a half back from first place, sitting uh, seven games under 500, it's about to be June. The weather's warming up. We're hoping those bats warm up. What What is the first move that you would make, whether it 
it is a, a demotion, a promotion, a trade, a uh, release. What is your first move, do you think, uh, that improves this ball club going forward? I would say at bare minimum, I would I would want catcher to be switched out with Bo Naylor. At least, yeah, like Mike Zanino DFA'd, and then Bo Naylor gets the majority of the catching reps. You can keep Cam Gallagher as the backup. It seems like the guys love him, Shane Bieber especially, it, because he's ha- been catching every almost most of his starts. But I would say Brian uh, Bo Naylor to start out, and then if things get worse, Brian Rocchio will come come up, or Tyler Freeman will step in for cert- just to take away some at bats. But that's just my at least my my first like couple of moves. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think uh, to you? What's your ideal lineup? If you're if you're the manager, say, uh, who are you putting out there as your your eight fielders and, and where are they batting in the lineup? And it could be it could be anybody. You know, if, if it includes have to has to include a promotion, you could you can include them in it if you want. OK, I would say Stephen Kwan won. I would try to maybe use Josh Bell's like patience as an advantage. Move him up to two. Jose stays at three. Reminds me of uh, Carlos Santana, a power hitter, but he gets on base a lot. So you bat him. He, he used to bat lead off as well, but yeah, like yeah, game one in the World Series, like he was batting lead, lead off. Yeah, you're right. And for for Josh Naylor four, then I guess you could keep Andres Jimenez at five. Um, six, seven. I think six. You're. I, I'm. I've been liking Gabriel Arias at, at bats lately. So six. I, he seems fine in right field, and then like, like straw, and then straw. Bo, Bo Naylor can be like the eight and nine hitters, like in in that in that general area. Like that would be the one through nine for me. Was I missing anybody? I don't think so. I think you got everybody. But I want to touch on Jimenez. Are you keeping him at second base or are you going to slide him over to shortstop? Um, okay. If it if say like Tyler Freeman is the one taking it, I would say he moves over to shortstop. If it's um Brian Rocchio, he could stay where he is. That because Tyler Freeman, he does he's never had that's strong of an arm. So I think second base makes the most sense for him. But with Brian Rocchio, as we saw in the Chicago series one or two weeks ago, he could field anywhere. And like you, like you just keep a, keep him at shortstop and Andres at second base. And (laughs) the defense is significantly better just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, You're talking on Arias and um, I was reading the athletic. I forget the, uh, the article earlier today. And um, we're talking about, you know, can this offense get any worse? And, you know, it was a subject that if you put Arias at shortstop, yeah, it'll definitely uh, be an improvement defensively. But like we were talking earlier, there's one of those guys that just simply doesn't get enough playing time. Do you think like his bat will come around? Because I think, you know, there's, there's pops, you know, in his bat and there's things that he shows that are positive, mm-hmm. but do you think he could do that on a consistent basis to where he's an everyday player? I think I've, we're seeing signs of that. I'm not completely sure if he's an everyday player, but I think there is at least some glimmer of hope to where it's like, Hey, just ride it out. Maybe figure it out that way. Cause he's been playing right field 
even though he's not a right fielder, that just shows you how many middle infielders we have. Mm -hmm. We're just making it up as we go with these guys. And so, yeah, he's playing right field. And for the last week and a half or so, I think he's hitting like 250 with a 320 on base with like a 400 slugging. And it's like, hmm. Respectable numbers. Yeah, there's a little something. So, yeah, yeah, like I would say if he – keeps playing every day maybe we might find something with him that's that that's why i'm like maybe if he plays shortstop yeah maybe it helps i i just want him to keep playing like how he is right now we're either playing right field playing at shortstop first base whatever he's kind of been playing everywhere so far this year yeah yeah i love his arm at shortstop but you know with him playing everywhere uh, i think that that will increase his value, not even necessarily to trade him, but just in general that, you know, if he does turn out, his offense turns around, then, you know, you can put him quite literally anywhere, whether it be first base, a shortstop, maybe you slide him to second, who knows? It gives um, uh, Jose Ramirez an off day at third. And obviously we've seen him in right field as well. Uh, I made the comparison on a previous episode with Lonnie Chisholm, who came up as a third baseman and made a pretty good, conversion to right field i thought and somebody who overall i think has been pretty underrated during his tenure in cleveland but that's a different story for a different day um but yeah you know that comparison that moving from third base to, to right field even nolan jones who we just traded during the offseason um you know somebody who i would have liked to see on the team but mm-hmm. maybe it was for the, the the better good of the team just because you have so many prospects that you you have to see what they're about in the major league level and we keep saying it every day, you know, there's just not enough playing time. Um, that was my little ramble. I didn't plan on going that far. Awesome. But, yeah, I, just saying, you know, I, I do think his value can be increased with him playing everywhere defensively. Um, I do want to move to pitching really quickly. Uh, uh, topic of, of interest pretty much all year, the past year and a half. Shane Bieber uh, consistently has been probably the best pitcher on the team so far. Um, do you think he remains with the team through the end of this year? Um, and if not, when do you think he gets traded or would you just, would you trade him in general, whether it be this year or next year? Um, it largely depends on where they are in the standings and because of the AL central, it, it, he's in constant limbo because of basically that, because even if they are kind of hovering around 500 by the time the trade deadline moves around, I think on the Sunday night broadcast when they were facing the Mets, Buster only stated they're not trading him if they they are in in contention. So I say more than likely, unless things get horrendously bad from here, which hopefully it doesn't, um, I think it's probably the winter is when that happens because you also have Gavin Williams that's coming up who's knocking on the door alongside like Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen, who we've already seen. And that is going to be the core of your starting rotation for the next five years. So you're Shane Bieber, even though he's great, he's also kind of blocking who maybe is the most talented of the three guys. So that's kind of where it's like you can trade him and then get something back to help you offensively, along with bringing in like one of the more talented pitchers in the system. So it's a good problem to have, but obviously it's like it's looming. All, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought him up, actually, because um, one of the ideas that I have with the struggling starting pitching, at least, is that, you know, past Bieber, there's not much of a guarantee. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts on, on Bybee and um, 
of course I forget his name, Logan Allen here in a second, but um, with the whole pitching situation, being down two starters, you sent another one down to the minors. Um, the thought of bringing Gavin Williams up um, kind of scares me, to be honest. That may be a hot take. And it's because if you're going to have three rookies in the rotation, um, you know, you, you don't want to overwork them, especially the rookie yeah. year. You know, there's been a ton of evidence that, you know, overworking guys young in their career doesn't turn out as well as they get older. Um, so do you think that the trio of Allen, Williams, and Bybee are somewhere in the rotation next year? I would say all three are probably going to be there next year. But for now, I think at least two of them are going to be. And the good thing is with like Savali and McKenzie coming back, the idea of a six man rotation probably makes sense because you are limiting their workload. So they're able to still pitch, but they're not pitching as much as like that would overwork them essentially. So a six man rotation probably is what makes sense for this season. But then once you figure out the Shane Bieber situation, then you can just go back to a traditional five man rotation. Yeah. I'm again, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think I've ever said it publicly, but I do like the idea of a six man rotation because then it'll at least, you know, limit those, those starts that they have and hopefully protect their arms. Um, but what are your, what are your thoughts on by and Logan Allen so far this season? Very impressive. Like, it just amazes me. And I don't think we talk about it enough. Like, I think it's it just taken so much for granted in the the Guardians fandom, how well the Guardians are able to develop these pitchers. Like, Logan Allen looks like a veteran. He He's only been in the big leagues for about five, six starts. And then Tanner Bybee, he, he's only been a pro for about a year and a half. And he, and he now he's in the big leagues. It, like, it's just been remarkable to see the future essentially show itself and they're already ready to perform in a moment's notice. It's been incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on the pitching overall? Uh, Cause I do have a couple stats here, the starting pitching, uh, their four two two ERA is 13th best in the majors, which is middle of the pack and the bullpen, you know, they seem overworked and, but their three two seven ERA is fifth best. Uh, but they also have the most save opportunities and the most blown saves out of any major league team as well. Yeah, that uh, it's a product of a lot of things because I think I, Zach Meisel had to stat because because the Guardians only play plays so they play so many one run games that literally like pitching feels like the pitching no matter where you're talking about bullpen or starters. They feel like they have to pitch the best game of their lives every time they step out because of the offense futility that's been happening. And what the stat you brought up with save opportunities, it's and blown saves. It's literally because every game's one run. So even if Emmanuel Classe is slightly off, him giving up one run ties the game. It's it's literally one run every single time. That's why I'm not not been as like bent out of shape about the bullpen as some people might be. I can understand a little bit with the starting rotation, but then again, you are only, you can only control so much when it, when your offense and the other factors are just not in your favor, basically. Yeah. Now with that offense struggling mightily through the first two months of the season, do you think that the pitching as a whole can kind of keep the team afloat in a, in this weak division? Yeah. I mean, that's, they, they should be able to keep afloat, but like I said, like they have to 
almost be perfect for that to happen unless like the offense starts to turn it around to where then they won't have to feel as much pressure to be as perfect as it can be. Cause like with the offense being it as it is, they are lucky that they got 21 wins at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's been a struggle. It, it, I love the team dearly watch every game, but just trying to watch them try to put runs together has been a nightmare. You know what I mean? Um, and with that, there has been some fans that have called for the firing of Terry Francona. So what do you think of that? Because I think it's honestly probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I can understand why, because he's the leader of the team, but I, I, I don't think that you can put, even the majority of the struggles of this team on his shoulders. Cause he's just the, the, not to reduce his role, but he's just a manager. You got nine guys out there that have to perform and they just aren't doing it. Yeah. Nine guys that don't, that aren't hitting, not nine guys that aren't fielding to their capabilities. Nine guys that are also making base running mistakes, trying to turn singles into doubles because they're overcompensating. Like, yeah, some things could fall into the manager. Like the, like Logan Allen maybe pitched a little too long against Chicago. I mean, yeah, that'll happen. It's regular season ball. It happens. But Karen check against the Mets. That that one was just like <laughs> like Hanches just backed them into a corner and there was nowhere they could turn to. So the guy that could strike everybody out is also the same guy that can blow up in your face. So yeah. it, it, it like it's it's that's why this whole season has been frustrating in a nutshell because everything has gone wrong at some point or another in different facets of the team. Like literally it, that's why we are where we are right now. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like you're on that boat is what it sounds like. Oh no. no, no, yeah. no, no <laughs> okay. All right. That That's good. That's good. Uh, so yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Savali and McKenzie earlier. Uh, they're making their rehab, rehab starts down in the minors. Um, as of right now, I don't think there's a hard timetable for them to return. But uh, once they do return, what are your kind of uh, expectations once they get back? Um, with McKenzie, I would I would assume there would be a little bit of rust, but I think once he gets back into the swing of things, he'll be all right. I think with Savali, it's just like because it's been a thing the for the last however many years, you don't know when an injury is going to pop up. Because last year, an injury popped up, it seemed like, every one or two starts. And the same thing started with this year. He only got two starts in, and then he was out for a month. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, he's a good pitcher. He's definitely valuable when he's healthy. But right now, it's just – that's why the six-man rotation probably makes sense because he can maybe stay healthy that way so it – doesn't put as much of a workload on him as it is for the rookies. Yeah. Do you think that whether it be the team or fans in general, do you think there'll be a lot of pressure on, on their shoulders seeing as they went down either before the season or so early in the season that knowing that we haven't had our, our rotation fully healthy since the start of the season, uh, do you think there'll be a lot of pressure on their shoulders and, and how that could negatively affect their performance? I don't know if it's as much about them as it is the hitting right now. The pitching, I think, will be fine for the majority of the year. It's just how do you how do you get these guys going offensively is going to be my main concern for the rest of the season. Pitching wise, I think they'll be all right. That's good. Um, so yeah, seven games under five hundred, four and a half games back in the division. Uh, what are your expectations for the season in general? Have they changed since the start of the season? 
Um, are they the same? What's your kind of outlook uh, as the team not only goes into the trade deadline, but uh, into the fall as well with the postseason around the corner? Um, I'll say my expectations are slightly down right now, but I'm, I still have the same in the aspect of they're still in it. They're probably going to still be in it until they're not. So for me, it's like as long as they kind of stay afloat somewhat, they'll be in it. And then once the trade deadline rolls around and you figure out where they are in the standings, then you can maybe try to like, like overhaul some things if need be, or like trade pieces away if things do get worse from here. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think they can still compete for the division, but right now it's just like they might not be like World Series contenders, at least at the moment. Things can change, obviously, but right now it's just not looking great. Yeah, uh, trade deadline still two months away. Uh, For me, I don't think that it's ever too early to start thinking about the trade deadline. Uh, So with that being said, do you think that there will be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? And do you think that they'll finish with a winning record? Um, I still think they'll be around 500 at the minimum, just because they've always had a habit of getting better in the, in the second half. So it'll always make things interesting in terms of the buyer or seller conversation. It, I mean, I could see a scenario where in 2019, where they made all these different moves, where they traded Trevor Bauer and it ended up being Fran Miller Reyes. And then they also made a couple moves Oh, yeah. It was Framil Reyes and also getting Yasiel Puig to help for the postseason push that year. So they could also sell and buy at the same time, trying to fix a problem while also doing what they usually do is try aiming for like preparing for the future, by, but also competing now. Kind of killing two birds with one stone, kind of. Kind I of- like that idea for sure. You, you, you know, solving a problem now that will also kind of help you later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's- um. Yeah. Um, I want you to, I'm going to ask you this question. Last question. Uh, don't want you to think about it too hard. Okay. Um, on the record, seven games under 500, where do the guardians sit at the end of the season? Do you think they make the postseason? Where do they finish? Do they win the division? What do you think? Um, I, I, right now I feel like they're, gonna be in it until they're not it, to me i still think they can win the division just because the division is so laughably bad <laughs> that they they they're gonna be in it until they're not i don't know what how well how they'll do postseason wise but i definitely think they can still win a division at the very least okay okay i, I like that for sure i typically i typically tend to be uh optimistic like that so it's good that not all fans will, you know, trying to jump off the yeah. bridge because we're we're already losing. Um, you know, those fans that live and die by every every game, they can be. Oh exhausted. my god, Twitter is old. There, there's reasons why I don't even look my, at my phone after losses. Yeah. It is like doomsday every loss. It's so bad, dude. Yeah, I can't tell who's worse, Browns Twitter or Guardians Twitter at this point. I think just Cleveland fans in general are just so yeah doomsday obsessed in general. Like, yeah, like they've just been so used to like the negativity or just losing that they're just, they just fall back to what they know. It's just like bitching and complaining about whatever they were griping about, especially when they're losing. Yeah, uh, I, I 
said this on somebody else's podcast a week ago. I think that how we finished last year set up not negative connotations, but it just gave this expectation going into this year that I don't think was beneficial for the fans at all, because now we're all expecting this thing to happen. And when it doesn't, or if it doesn't, then, you know, everybody's ready to to call it quits on the team. Yep. Uh, I forgot who said, said this, but I thought it was pretty wise. It's like expectations are the thief of joy. They literally yeah. will steal every bit of joy that you had in the regular season that you had before where, like with last year, it was easy to have fun with the team because it was unexpected with how they won 90 games. They took the Yankees to one game uh, to five games and were one game away from the ALCS. And now that the expectations are drastically different to where we expect you to make the postseason and we expect you to make some type of run. Now everything just feels like we're overanalyzing everything. And especially now that we're losing it is like magnified times 10. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not happy with the losing, obviously, but um, I've come to kind of accept it almost in a way just because, I mean, if we are going to get there, it's not going to come overnight. So, you know, we could lose tomorrow, but maybe win the next two and then over the next week we, you know, we take a couple series. I don't know. Uh, but that's just kind of my mindset now where I'm like, you know what, I'm just not even going to put a whole bunch of pressure on me to try to enjoy this game. I'm just going to watch it see what happens. And then if they turn the corner, then great. I'm definitely not going to call it quits, but um, trying not to have my happiness be affected by a, a brutal loss the way they've been losing lately. And we'll just kind of see where they are in a couple months. Yep. Uh, a lot of things can change in a baseball season. It's 162. A lot of things can happen. That's that's what I keep saying. And obviously it's about to be June and we're still losing. But the the overall thought process is it's a long season. It's six months long, 162 games. Anything can happen. You just never know. So I try to keep that mindset while I'm watching. And, and, and there should be at least some belief that most of these guys will turn it around somewhat. Sure, there might be some changes, but I think the core group is still good. It just might need some like tweaks and, and maybe some call-ups to where they start to look more like themselves, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, that's all I have for today. Um, so I don't know if you if you want to add anything, Matt, or, you know, kind of plug your Twitter. Where can the people find you at and uh, your, your commentary on baseball? Oh, yeah. Um, everybody can find me at 33Milner. I am a contributor at WaitingForNextYear.com. And my Twitter is basically like posting my articles or random memes or just my thoughts on the game in general. That's just kind of my Twitter. But, I mean, everybody's welcome to follow me. That's right. So, everybody, if you're listening, go follow Matt. Uh, There's a bunch of uh, Cleveland Guardians content creators out there, but I always say there's enough room for all of us. So uh, make sure you go follow Matt. Make sure you go follow Waiting for Next Year. Um, But I want to thank you for hopping on. It's been a couple weeks in the making, but we finally got it done. Uh, greatly appreciate you hopping on. Um, yeah, so for Matt Milner, uh, Samari McPherson, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Believe in Guardians.